0: not about how powerful its elite members are, but rather how it chooses to collectively take care of those the system deems to be, to use the language of our parable this week, the least of these. Welcome to episode 497. My name is Herb Montgomery, and our title this week is Sheep. And goats our reading is from the gospel of Matthew, Matthew twenty-five, thirty-one through forty-six. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as shepherd as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. So there there's a lot in this week's lectionary reading and this week's lectionary reading is actually it's one of my favorite passages in the Gospel of Matthew. There's some problematic parts to it and we'll discuss those, but some sectors of Christianity they tend to read this passage more individualistically as if it's a scene of individual people standing before an apocalyptic judgment seat and i I want to encourage us not to fall into that that individualism ditch this week The, the the passage in matthew it states that it's the nations or or the collective people groups that are being gathered and this collective view It it aligns with the use of the phrase Son of Man, too, and and a judgment from the Hebrew apocalyptic book of Daniel, Daniel 7. um, We get this language, and Daniel 7 doesn't address individuals or their personal or private deeds or misdeeds. It, It uses rich imagery to address empires and nations and collective groups not individuals. And it's also telling that, that no one responds in this passage this week uh, with the question, when did I see you? They all ask, when did we see you? So this parable, it does have a collective nature to it. And, and it isn't about how we, again, how we live our lives as individuals or whether we practice personal private charity, it's about how we choose to structure our collective lives together and who we choose to care for. How do we systemically, as a nation, divide up resources? How do we collectively distribute Power? Do we privilege some above others or do we ensure that everyone in our society is taken care of? And we're going to talk about more about this in, in just a moment. But uh, uh, as well as painting a collective image here, this passage also divides the nations into the categories of sheep and goats. Now, my brother is a farmer here in Appalachia and he has both sheep and goats Along with other livestock on his farm, and and neither the sheep or the goats to him are expendable. Both have value, and both have worth, and that's important to remember too. The imagery, uh, this imagery would have been heard uh, very differently, non-religiously. The way it's been painted, they would have been, it would have been heard, um very economically and agriculturally within, within its original audience. But, but again, um, sheep can be led, whereas goats are uh, stubborn uh, and often have to be driven. So while both are valuable, you have to relate to both very differently. And this parable is also about how nations choose to relate to, once again, hunger and thirst, who gets food, who gets shelter or clothing. And and we know it's an economic parable because prisons in Jesus's culture, they weren't used for, for the crimes that we use prisons for today. For example, if someone was guilty of murder, they would be executed, not imprisoned back then. And then prisons They were used for economic or political reasons. If someone was in prison, they were most likely in a kind of debtor's prison, working off a debt after suffering some economic hardship. And that's why we need to read this parable in the context, in the terms of distributive justice. The the parable goes on to state that the nations uh, either enter into eternal life or into eternal punishment or turmoil or eternal trouble. And, And what might, This mean, when we look at it nationally rather than individually, nations who practice a compassionate system of distributive justice will last a long time. You could say that they enter a kind of eternal life. And other nations who practice an economic system rooted in extraction or exploitation or, or privilege where some are, are worth more than others or power where some have more power than others these nations they intrinsically experience eternal ongoing always present turmoil conflict striving punishments that are they're, again they're always ongoing they're they're eternal and nations like this they have to learn the hard way that hunger thirst Nakedness, abuse of foreigners, denying clothing, including housing, uh, debtors' prisons—all those things of the uh, of that nature. Those those types of that that way of structuring society is unsustainable. They set in motion again endless striving. That that if if that's not corrected. Those, those very elements in society have brought down the most powerful empires in history from the inside out. And, and as an example today, some contemporary Christians, they cite portions of Leviticus to support their own bigotry against LGBTQ folks, but, but they, on the sa- in the same breath, they'll ignore... Or explain away passages like Leviticus 19, the very next chapter in Leviticus 19.33 when it comes to immigration policies or how we treat the stranger. In in Leviticus 19.33, it says, When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native-born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt I am the Lord your God. So how we choose to shape our nation's immigration policy, that matters. Uh, Pay close attention when certain sectors of Christianity choose to cherry-pick and prioritize the death-dealing passages of their sacred text rather than the humanizing and and life-giving passages. And lastly this week, I want to briefly address this language of eternal life and eternal punishment. And you can read uh, a more in-depth treatment Uh, of this subject in the appendix of my new book, Finding Jesus, a story of a a fundamentalist preacher who unexpectedly discovered the economic, social, and political teachings of the Gospels. But first, the idea of an apocalyptic eternal punishment, that was taught by the Pharisees in Jesus' society. And that's what Jesus uh, is is actually quoting um, when he talks about the the everlasting fire or eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels that was that was a, a common tenet among the pharisees and and in josephus in his book the war of the jews volume 2 chapter 8 paragraph 14 he writes, they, and he's talking about the Pharisees, they say that all souls are imperishable, but the souls of good men only pass into other bodies, while the souls of evil men are subject to eternal punishment. And it's important to understand the Greek words that are used to describe this eternal punishment as it was taught by the Pharisees. The The word for eternal here is adios, and it means pertaining to an unlimited duration of time. It's talking about its length, and I'll put a reference to all of this in this week's e site on our webpage at renewedartministries.com. But uh, the, the language, the word for punishment here that they used was Tamoria. And Temoria meant to punish with the implication of causing people to suffer what they deserve. Uh, Thayer's uh, Greek-English lexicon uh, tells us it was penal, and it referred to satisfying something within him who was inflicting the punishment. In other words, Temoria was about satisfying that which in the punisher says someone needs to suffer for what they've done. So why is this important? Because there were other words, other Greek words, that one could choose to use if you were talking about eternal punishment in their society. And we understand this today. And Philo, for instance, he mentions eternal punishment. But he uses, the, he uses a different term than Adios Timoria like the Pharisees did. In, in Philo's fragments, he writes, It is better not to promise than not to give prompt assistance. For no blame follows in the former case. But in the latter, there is dissatisfaction from the weaker class and a deep hatred and eternal punishment from such as are more powerful. He's talking here societally. He uses the phrase eternal punishment. And Philo here, he uses the word for eternal punishment, Aeonian Colossus. Now, Aeonian, it, it, it would refer to an indeterminate duration. In other words, it's giving prominence to the immeasurableness of eternity. It's it's different from adios because it, it's 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 not that it lasts forever, like in a, a, a linear time. Um, but 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 it does it, it it. What it's saying is it doesn't matter how long it lasts. It will last indeterminately. It will last for however long it takes for whatever we're we're modifying. To accomplish its purpose, and as it relates to the definition of colossus, if we talk about aeonian colossus, that which it's modifying is the colossus. A colossus, according to Thayer, is a disciplinary action, and it it, it instead of like Tamoria that references satisfying something in the one who's inflicting the suffering, saying, I, you know, I need to see someone suffer for this. It's referencing the one who suffers. It's fulfilling a need in the one who's experiencing the punishment. And we're going to talk about that more in just a moment. Let's look at Plato's use of Colossus 2. This is uh, from Plato, and again, I'll put a, a reference in this week's uh, e-site. If you think, Socrates, of the nature of punishment... You will see at once that in the opinion of mankind, virtue may be acquired. No one punishes, and he uses the word colossus here, the evildoer under the notion or for the reason that he has done wrong. Only the unreasonable fury of a beast acts in that manner. In other words, he's accusing Temoria of being animalistic. He who desires to inflict rational punishment, in other words, colossus, does not retaliate for a past wrong which cannot be undone. He has regard to the future, and is desirous that the man who is punished, again Colossus, and he who sees him punished, may be deterred from doing wrong again. He punishes for the sake of prevention, thereby clearly implying the virtue that virtue is capable of being taught. So, whereas Timoria was a punishment, again, that satisfied a need in the Punisher to see someone suffer for what they had done, Colossus... It was discipline or or punishment that was intended to address the need in the one being punished so that they might learn to make different choices. It was redemptive punishment. It was restorative justice. It wasn't retributive justice. And the words that the author of Matthew's Gospel chooses to use, and this is why it's so important for our reading this week, the words that Matthew's Gospel author chooses to use for the goats in our story, that experience eternal punishment is not Adius Temoria like the Pharisees used according to Josephus it was Aeonian Colossus it wasn't talking about retribution it was talking about restoration and this makes sense remember goats are of such a nature that they will only learn the hard way and some nations will have to learn the hard way too but whether a nation is stubborn or or like a stubborn goat, or whether it's a sheep that can just simply be gently led, both goats and sheep only survive when they learn the lessons of distributive justice. And I love the words of Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis. She's the pastor of Middle Church in New York City there, speaking of social salvation within the context of our collective lives together. In her book Fierce Love, page 14 she writes, I know this to be true. The world does not get great unless we all get better. If there is such a thing as salvation, then we are not saved until everyone is saved, and our dignity and our liberation are bound up together. And that seems to be, to me, what our reading this week is hinting at. A nation's greatness, it's not measured by its wealth, but by its wealth disparity. It's not its GDP, but how much poverty it creates to produce that GDP. It's not about how powerful its elite members are, but rather how it chooses to collectively take care of those the system deems to be, to use the language of our parable this week, the least of these. Heart group application this week, number one, share something that spoke to you from this week's e or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, in what ways do you wish both our small faith communities and our larger society and even nation practiced more life-giving policies? How could our, our nation do a better job at taking care of the hungry, those in need of shelter or migrants or whom we choose to imprison? Share and discuss that with your group. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small? to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone. Thanks for checking in with us today. I want to say a special thank you to all of our supporters out there. If you'd like to join them in supporting Renewed Heart Ministries work, you can do so by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com Right now, we're offering here at the the end of the year all kinds of thank you gifts to our supporters. Um, For those who uh, want to make a special one-time donation, we're offering a free book giveaway. For those who are uh want to sign up to become a monthly sustaining partner with renewed heart Ministries we uh, have a, another thank you gift we're offering there and the good news is that all donations in these last two months of 2023 both November and December all donations are being matched dollar for dollar so if you choose right now to support our work your support will go twice as far as it does uh, throughout the rest of the year so go to renewedheartministries.com And check out what uh, we're doing there for our supporters. Remember, you can find Renewed Heart Ministries on uh, X or formerly Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and the new threads. If you haven't done so already, please follow us on your chosen social media platform for our daily posts. And also, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, whatever podcast platform that you're listening to it on, please take a moment to like, subscribe, leave us uh, a positive review there. That helps us. Others find this podcast as well. You can watch our new YouTube show each week called "Just Talking," where Todd Leonard and I take a moment to talk about the gospel lectionary reading for the upcoming weekend. We talk about those passages in the context of love and inclusion and societal justice. And and uh, if you teach from the lectionary each week, or if you're just looking for some thoughts on the Jesus story from a more progressive perspective within the context of social justice, check it out. You might like it. You can find us each. Each week at uh, youtube.com forward slash at Herb and Todd just talking. Please like, subscribe, hit the notification button, leave us a comment there as well. If you'd like to reach us here at Renewed Heart Ministries through email, you can reach us at info at renewedheartministries.com. And remember, my new book, Finding Jesus, a story of a fundamentalist preacher who unexpectedly discovered the social, political, and economic teachings of the Gospels is now also available at renewedheartministries.com. Right where you are this week, keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working toward justice. I love each of you dearly. I'll see you next week.